I didn't have much uh, pre-show planned except for just a little Jesus tribute Rishan. to a, just a little tribute to the king, Bong Jun Ho. Mm. No, Bong Jun Ho, the mm. the absolute king. Well done. Best um, All hail King Bong, ladies you, and gentlemen. Have you noted all that stuff, Dan? Because I, I I glanced through who who got um who got gongs today. But, I was um, watching it live. I was watching it. I have a tradition with a bunch of um. That's only mildly changed now that Film half kids. of my uni friends have graduated and have part-time jobs. We all meet up to watch the Oscars and simultaneously we watch the on-cinema Oscars special, the uh, f- uh, the faux comedy movie review show hosted by Tim Heidegger right. and Greg Turkington, <laughs> okay. um, which was, you know, which featured other antics. But yeah, I was watching the Oscars live, the good and the bad. Nice. The good nice. being uh, King Bong getting three gongs. Um, yeah, the bad three being, bong did, gong. You, did you see anything about Eminem? <laughs> three gong bong. Um, no, except, oh my Lord. no, except he was somewhat trending on TikTok for something else that I saw. Oh God. Um, so I'm like, what the fuck? Well, they got um, like, it, this is like earlier in the piece within like the, but, but probably about the first hour in and Lin-Manuel yeah. Miranda, massive legend gets up and starts talking about how iconic songs in movies and you know, just like incredible how great it can be to associate a song with a certain scene. And I was like, yeah. And then they play this really cool montage of like some Oscar original scenes. A lot of like famous movie scenes that aren't, you know, that use popular music. Like they use uh, Wayne and Garth listening to Bohemian Rhapsody in the car. Yeah. Or, yeah, 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 yeah. you know, uh, Tom Cruise um, making out with Kelly McGillis to take my breath away, which oh, did win so the Academy good. Award. Um, That's so good. But then at the end of it, they're like showing a clip of um, Eight Mile, and it goes on longer than the other clips. I'm like, well, this is weird. Wait, get to like the better songs, <laughs> and then yeah. all of a sudden, um, one of the one of one of my friends said, "Wouldn't it be hilarious if he just came out?" And no, then they cut no, to the wide. No, I can't. And there's an oh orchestra God. playing <laughs> "Lose Yourself," and on comes 46 year old Eminem. Maybe the oldest and man on the planet. Just. I think, I think for someone who's, because I, I, I was about to say the phrase I grew up listening to, and that's a lie. I I was unfortunately in my sort of mid-teen years when he was that's sort of still, happening. You know, but that's still, a, I think that's still a you formative know. period in your. It's a formative period. Yeah. yeah. I know that there's a lot um, of artists I listen to in my in my late teens. So I'm going to say I grew up yeah. with and. But just that's- yeah, I just think that the phrase "I grew up with" I think carries a bit more weight than I listened to him when all the other fuckheads were listening to him in yeah. like two thousand three. <laughs> like uh, and and, know, and and let me say the fuckheads kept listening to him uh, from two thousand four yeah. to two thousand thirteen. <laughs> yeah, and still yep. apparently there are and, fuckheads uh, out there now because he keeps releasing albums and they keep. Apparently, and that's one of those things. He's one of those artists that every now and then, like, I hear that he's dropped an album, and it's like. What? What? Okay. I mean, like, right? Fine, but you, mate. You, cool. You do you, man. You do you. Clearly, there's no generational <laughs> gap between <laughs> angsty teenage white boys hating their mothers. Clearly, that's not a generational man. thing. It's a perpetuity. It's, it will it's, always be just... an angry, <laughs> masturbatory, twelve, fourteen-year-old going "fuck you, mom," sticking like yeah when they when they stick the middle finger up, but they raise like every other finger around to like sort of curtain it a little. That like really oh, yeah. choreographed middle finger. 
Yeah, where all the other ones are bent down really tightly. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, exactly yeah, yeah. Oh that. my god, I can. I, it's, I actually find that really hard to do. I'm doing it right now for all this is this wonderful yeah. non-visual medium. I'm literally doing this right now yeah. down the mic to my boy. Um, I hope you're feeling <laughs> it, brother. I hope you're I'm feeling doing it. This too. one's going it's, to it's, you. It's, it's going both yeah. ways. I can do it, and it's always <laughs> the one I go to like as a meme whenever I make this joke about Eminem fans and the fucking mom. Yes. But then again, I don't, yeah. I've never, I don't genuinely use that gesture ever because it's like kind of lame. I've never seen it, what it really at me. I've not, you know. Yeah. Not, not in the last decade at least. No, definitely not since. Or the preceding one is really what I mean because n- n- certainly not in this decade. I want to say it Probably peaked, not in the 2010s either. I want to say it peaked um, with that bit in the Simpsons movie when he's like going down the sinkhole and he gets, and Homer gets stuck and he's, you know, doing that to the, to the angry Gosh. mob. Speaking of movies. Um, speaking of we movies, welcome to Down Down Critics Are Down. My uh, name is Morgan Roberts. <laughs> and my name is the ghost of Christmas in February present. Ding dong, merrily on high. It's my favorite time of the year yet again. Can can we address that straight up? Because um, when you texted me and said, we're going to bring the pod back, we're going to do it with a vengeance. <laughs> ah, I see what um, you did there. And we're gonna do a, our 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 famous our now infamous Christmas in February, yeah. and we're gonna do it. Um, well, yeah. And and I told someone today. They said, "What are you doing today?" I said, "Well, because I went to the gym, and yeah. I told them that I was gonna watch this film mm. um, uh, while I was doing some stuff." And yeah, and they were like, "Oh God." That conversation of if is this a Christmas movie is so annoying. And you know what? I have to agree with them because I feel like yeah. most of the people who come up with this thing of going, but it's a Christmas movie yeah. are just being the cuntiest edgelords absolutely uh, possible yeah. on the face of the world. I mean, we're going to settle that debate finitely because, yeah. you know, it is a Christmas movie. I am that I am that guy and I will <laughs> and I will make you that guy by the I will make all everyone who listens to this that guy by the end of the episode I guarantee it and it's going to be it's going to be done with love it's going to be done with love and it's going to be done with care now when we address uh, the, and a whole and a whole lot of nice jet fluid lit up like christmas <laughs> now when we address the 6 month extended hiatus I want to talk about a little company who we're all aware of. Coles, listen. When we started this podcast in the year of our Lord and Savior 2018, we had one goal to extend the olive branch from the people to the accessible cinema landscape that was the $5 bin at Coles. And I think we did a great job at that, you and I, Morgan. I we think really, we did a wonderful job. We connected the people We leapt to, in. We saw... You know, we connected it to movies that everybody had in their collective conscience but didn't really give the shot they deserved. However, mm. big corporate entity Coles... Which, what's, the, what's the big corporate company that owns Coles? Is it West Farmers? I don't know. I, I thought it was Coles Meyer. That's the group, but maybe there's another group. That's Look, everything that. is practically owned by this Disney. This is not a fucking business podcast. Practically yeah. everything is owned by Disney, and I want to take <laughs> this moment to say whatever margins you had to slice by getting rid of the $5 bin, 
this podcast is only partially as infrequent as it is, event as it is, because of how infrequent the $5 bin is. And at this because time... Because of how event... Because of how event the $5 bin is. That's Exactly. That's it. And I think you and I are better Fucking than that. Hell. We deserve to come to the people not at the mercy of the, the $5 bin, not at the mercy of the company, the corporate overlords that govern whether the $5 bin is available. I think you and I deserve to give the people that spirit of connecting them to the films that, you know, maybe aren't readily available to them and maybe don't force or their that way they've just somehow, Or they've just somehow forgotten something that has that has not necessarily been in the literal bargain bin, but, you know, no. it's been put in the spiritual bargain bin of, of, of DVDs, of film, of cinema. Yes. It's, it's not sitting in the Criterion collection. It's not in the mm. highly featured, you know, it's not trending. But you know what? Look, Maybe there's something There's something yeah. to go back to and there's exactly. something at the very, you know, back in, back in time to say, you know what, let's give this a shot. I mean, exactly. hey, Coles, we, we, we were trying to, we, we saw that as, we saw that market as as having an opportunity for growth. Indeed, and you know, if we couldn't if we couldn't reliably every few weeks go to that bargain bin and see not only well, we couldn't even find the fucking bin. You just took no. the bin away. They took the no bin, bin. They took the zero wall, bin. They took every iteration. But and look, I'm not talking just at my local Coles. Coles. I'm talking across the the nation, a nationwide nation, epidemic. You know. And I mean, if there was if there was ever room for a bargain bin DVD section in a big Coles that had enough people that they could warrant having it there, because that's the thing, you know, I get it. I get it having out in the burbs where I live, having those, look, you know what, we're better, it's better for us to put something else there a bit more worthwhile. But you know what, Indra Pilly Coles, Indeed. Monolith shopping center complex if you will of the western suburbs and you don't even have the room to put a couple of little five dollar films for these boys there well guess what fuck you coles and look i may be you're killing content they are and look i may be a novocastrian boy i may be a novocastrian man but at my heart i'm a country rural boy and what 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 about the coles's in scone what about the coles's in parks what about the Coles's mm. in Lismore? What about all these smaller areas away from all the hustle and bustle of the city? What what about the Coles in Singleton, ladies and gentlemen? Think about yeah. poor Singleton. My my the working state, families. The working families paying state top dollar for two hundred megabytes a month fucking satellite. My state they're not was, gonna stream films. My state has literally been on fire for the past three months. And god damn it, if I didn't have the power of cinema to get me through, if it, it would have been made so much easier with, with, with the Coles bargain bin. But look, this isn't about Coles anymore. This is about us, Morgan. And I believe the most important thing we can do yep. is give. And Christmas in February is a time. So that's for what giving. we're going to do. It's a time for giving. That's why we chose to come back now. Now, Christmas in February, our newly. Not, the, not, in, not in January. The holiday we invented. The holiday we invented to yes. give this time in a, in a time where, you know, it's. Uh, uh, what other holidays are there in February? You know, what? Va- Valentine's Day? Not everybody yeah, has a Valentine. That? Everybody has Christmas in February. 
And so here we are. It's for everyone. Content it's for the boys. students. It's for the mothers. It's for the working class. It's for it's for hyacinth bouquet. It's for everyone. Why did I think of hyacinth bouquet? I've got I no I was looking idea. At, I was looking at through. keeping up appearances memes the other day. I thought day. you were gonna do the. I thought you were gonna do the. It's for bitches. It's for lovers. It's for saints. It's for mothers. It's for whatever the next line of that song is. <laughs> But anyway, it's for everybody. It's for everybody. It's for and all of those people, all of the above. Ready to give. And here we are. So of all the Christmas films that we could have said, let's do a Christmas in February episode. Bring it back. Um, did we choose a safe one? I mean, what was the last Christmas film we reviewed? Christmas with the Cranks. With this Christmas with the Cranks, which was, um, I believe, was also my choice, just on the on the rotational yeah. pick, as this this episode, I believe, was my pick. And I picked it was it. mine actually, but it took so oh, long that yours? you were like, "Hey, bitch, we're gonna do this." <laughs> Did I say? Well, look. The point is, Christmas in February. Something like that. I thought, let's not look directly at the paragon of Christmas movies. Let's look at a special little snowflake in the Christmas in February snow. It is quite fittingly the edge lord of Christmas movies. It's 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 the it's the black sheep. It's the it's the prodigal son, who I think will return this evening. So let's. Without further ado, discuss 1990s Die Hard 2 and Die Harder. Die Harder. What a title. I mean, it's 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 one of the better sequel. Like it's there is a level of like joke sequel title that I've gotten to the point of seeing where I'm just like, why wouldn't you name your sequel? Like, yeah, it's goofy, but like it's it's 10 trillion times better than anything else. Have you heard of the the Netflix film To All the Boys I've Ever Loved Before? Yes. They the sequel is coming out at some point soon called No, uh, oh my god, no, don't no, don't tell me. No, it's called To All the Boys I've Ever Loved Before PS something. Oh, that's cute. That's cute. Uh, let me let me let me look like, that up. Let me get that fact straight. It's called To All the Boys PS I Still Love You. What a fucking missed opportunity to not call it to the number, all the boys I've loved before. It's going to be like, and I don't think they'll do this, but if like, they ever make a sequel to Ready Player One, if they fucking don't call it Ready Player Two, yes. it just proves how how little they understand their own product. Like, I yep. do not like Ready Player One, but I will hate its sequel <laughs> even more if it is not called Ready Player Two. Like, yep. come fact, on, you have yes. set yourself up there for glory. So when they call it Die Hard 2, Die Harder, like, of course. You can't, what are they going to call it? Die Hard 2, Die Again? No. We're dying harder. We're raising the stakes. We're bringing it to a whole new playing field, baby. And it was presented with such a great cold open. Like, there's no precursor. It just comes straight in. Fox opening. You know, dun, dun, oh, dun, dun, pour a bit out of the box. I got dun, that dun. notification today saying that um, a page I liked on Facebook, 20th Century Fox, has now changed its name to 20th Century Films. I forgot they were just ditching the name Fox altogether. Fox is effectively dead as of today. It's effectively dead. Oh, so what, a, what a perfect time to pick this movie to discuss, <laughs> That hearing that Fox fanfare in all of its glory. Mm. I mean... And it just goes straight in with the title, like yeah. Have you seen Die Hard? Let's let's set the stage here a little bit. Have you seen Die Hard One? 
Yeah, a few times. And I've seen this at least at least once or twice all the way through before feel, I rewatched it for this. How do you feel about Die Hard 1? I like it. It's good, but this is really good. Like, this this was better. Oh, wow. Um, You're one of these people. Ladies and gentlemen, we have one of these people. <laughs> one of these. Maybe I'm wrong because no, look, it's I think, been a while I, since no, I've seen Die Hard I don't 1. Think, I don't think, listen, I don't think anybody is, is, is wrong in discussing film in detail, but I want to say you are now grouped with a very um illustrious film critic who I will really? mention later who who shares this opinion with you but okay i want to take this opportunity to say die hard i think is not only one of my favorite movies of all time as a as a as a screenwriter as a writer myself i i can only aspire to the to the tightness of the die hard one screenplay written by steven mm. uh de souza who wrote uh this one too mm. i just and and I think it's it's the I do think it's my favorite Christmas film, and I think when people say it isn't a Christmas film, I think that is a purely uh call it. Um, you think they're you, you think they're being you think they're being the edge lords actually in I this think, dichotomy. Edge lord isn't the right term. I think it's more like a that's true somebody who's just not willing to give. Like you should, you should, anybody should give anything a shot, right? Anything has potential. I think that when a lot of people, specifically, usually my relatives at Christmas, when I say <laughs> we should watch Die Hard, they hear that and think, oh, Bruce Willis action movie, da 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 da. When I go, uh, not, I mean, yes, but. Like at its core, it <laughs> is such no, a, but but yes, <laughs> like they're not wrong. But this is where I think the magic comes in that it is it can do both. That yes, it's this loud raucous action movie, but it's just so yeah, it feels so good to watch. It's such a movie rich in spirit, Christmas yeah, okay, spirit, if you will. That's fair for reasons I, I will get to when we discuss Die Hard Two. Yeah, actually, you know what? Because uh, is Home Alone a Christmas movie? Yes. Do you want to know and, my definition of a Christmas movie? Okay, go because I have a, I have a theory that I think now by by saying Home yeah. Alone, the 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 listeners have figured out what my angle is. But yeah. you go. Uh, uh, let me ask you: What is Christmas, the actual holiday, about? It's about coming together. Yep. That's With what it's who? About. It's about family and coming together. Yep. Uh, would you say um, it's about uh, looking back at you know? using it as a time to reflect on the person you were throughout the year and maybe what improvements you'd like to make going Perhaps, forward. Yeah. Perhaps. Uh, you know, would you say it's about, you said reconnecting, you know, all these, I think it's, a, it's a time where uh, evil for want of a better phrase, doesn't exist and everything is all about positivity. Would you say mm. that? I'd say that, yeah. That's fair. I want to point out that Die Hard is, at its core, a movie about a man who wants to reconnect with his wife and his family and will do and has to overcome his stubbornness, his stubbornness personified by a bunch of German terrorists hijacking a building, to do so. (laughs) Let me ask you, you I know you have an intense love of Home Alone, as do I. What... 
could you tell me about the character arc of Kevin McAllister? Yeah, I would. I see. I see the parallels. What that could you're you making, tell yeah. me about John McClane? It's the same movie. One of yep. them just has confirmed murder. Yep. Yep. I and, love yeah, both. I think I really we both. Do. I think we both got off to this, and we those are the connections. So, when you suggested number two, then <laughs> was there a particular reason yes. that you were like, "Let's watch number two? Yes. A because I, I don't like watching Die Hard and a month that isn't December, even though it's my That's favorite true. Christmas movie Fair and enough. my favorite holiday is Christmas in February. But I thought <laughs> if Christmas really is the time for reconciling differences and coming together, then maybe we should use the opportunity of the ultimate holiday Christmas in February to, <laughs> you know, reconnect with someone who I've had a rough personal relationship with and someone who I'd like to make amends with. Hmm. Now, the Fair last enough. time I saw Die Hard 2 before this recording was maybe Christmas two years ago. Hmm. And before that, I had a strong resentment of this movie where I went, oh, it's just the same movie again. Oh, it's, oh man, Rennie Harlan's a hack, which he still is, but we'll get to that later. I was so like overwhelmingly <laughs> This is meant to be a short record. <laughs> Yeah, you, you're the one who said that, but I'm <laughs> Die Hard's a bit of a strong subject. Um, okay, okay. And then clearly, I hoisted, but then I always hoisted um, Die Hard with a Vengeance, the third movie, higher, just because I thought it was, you know, better action stakes, more plausible story, all of this sort of general yep. half nature. Yep. And then when I watched it two years ago, I went, oh, well, it's not that bad. It's not as good, hmm. but it's not that bad. And so I thought maybe two years is a proper time to reevaluate it on a podcast with my very good uh, film-loving friend. Well, I loved watching this. I had I couldn't do it all in one sitting. I, I watched it scrambled across today. Um, couldn't get stuff done over the weekend with it. So I was watching it at the gym, watching it in the office, doing some work, watching it on the couch while kids watch Bluey on the TV. Like this is, this is real parenting hours yeah. right here. But... And I took a few notes and jotted some ideas down, but it's, I just, I thought it was great. I, I just, I, I thought that in, in the first film, mm. what he's the whole, the whole wrong place, wrong time is the, the, the general theme. Yeah. And this is done again. Although I feel in this film, what he keeps dealing with is yeah. not so much wrong place, wrong time, but it's just perpetually everyone else's incompetence. <laughs> yeah and it's like what the fuck it's, it's like last time it was he was the only guy i mean f i haven't seen the original in a few years but please remind me is there anyone else who is like f whose fault it is that that whole go whole thing goes to hell because they've failed at their job other than like the cop that's outside in yeah. the car who's just never looking in the right place other oh, than no, him all right yeah well that's only a one sergeant al powell as, yeah. as he is uh, both in Die Hard and Die Hard Two. Yes, I can. I can, I want to. I want to shoot him some bail there. He only does miss it once, and then once he okay. is aware of the situation, he's he's the only other support that he has in the cops. Um, That's yes, right. You're right. Every That's other right. Force yeah, sorry. That please remind me of that. Every other force that isn't John McClane or a, is actually either no, corrupt. Actually, no. His his wife is is quite. He's quite yeah. on the ball. Yeah. He's the most on the yeah. ball, especially in the scene where she plays um, Hans Gruber and she goes, you know, oh, we need all this uh, situation for that. She negotiates with them. And then right at the end, 
again, this the, I got to be concise. There's so much intricate detail to both of the screenplays that we'll talk about that I could froth over for hours and hours. But the bit where she doesn't give away that she's married to John, where she knows to go, the name's Gennaro, Miss Gennaro. Mm. It's on the door. It's mm. on the thing. The only thing that would give it away is the photo that is already turned down. Brilliant. Mm. She's competent. Mm. And I will yeah. agree with you in that in this movie, John McClane has to deal with a lot, a lot of incompetence. Fucking idiots. Yeah. I want to yeah. say though, before we move on to that, just quickly, when everybody, they keep using the line, wrong place, wrong time. Mm. I, I, I always take issue with that because he's never in the wrong place per se. Like he's meant to go to the airport to pick up his wife. He's meant to go true. to the Christmas party. It's That's just true. unlucky that, that people hijack the building on the Christmas party. He's, uh, this big he's Colombian in the right Lord place at the wrong time. Airport <laughs> yeah, yeah, during yeah, yeah. Christmas Eve. How can the same shit happen to the, the same, same guy, guy twice? twice? <laughs> that is one of the <laughs> fucking great. great and she was very competent in this too like she's oh, she, she's totally competent yeah. uh, you know in in as much as she is able to do yeah. she in a, in a, in a very reduced the, role yeah yeah but you know fair enough like what she is able to do literally in a plane yeah uh with the the the, the free phone yeah um yeah let's, and uh, yeah. and a taser i mean yeah. that's with great that, like, yeah that's with that great. said we should let's dig into die hard to bit piece by piece because i want to yeah i want to prove one of the things i always used to not think about when I was dogging on Die Hard 2 is how it was just the same movie, yeah. which is partially true. But again, rewatching it now, it's such a good screenplay. Like still. Yeah. It's so and it's, in tune and, it's and so, precise. Yeah. It's so straight in with the intrigue. Like, hmm. yeah, it, it's an action film and we know that we're going to have all these absolutely incongruous improbable beats that happen after one after yeah. another that 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 bring the protagonist along it's yeah. like oh okay cool so he sees the two dodgy guys in the bar yep. and they're fucking around with like the christmas present yep. wrapped stuff under the table yep. um before that he and, has the encounter with the guy he thinks he recognizes on the phone yeah and then the, that's right and he's like uh, you look familiar he's like i'm on tv i get that a lot i'm like oh i've, I've been on tv too wink wink nudge nudge yeah, that's right. There's so many like, so, brilliant setups and payoffs all throughout. But yeah, that opening, the whole plot is like when people say that it's just a, a rehash of the first one, like, no, nah, that plot is pretty, that plot is like, he's not, you know, he's not stuck in a building. He's not outgunned. It's literally just trying to figure out how to outsmart and fit, worm his way into this intensely intricate plan that these yeah, other because no one else seems to want to do any police work. No, like, because... And that's the great thing that I like about this, like that the first real initiative he takes is... Okay, no, the, the, the first initiative he takes is going in, following the guys back yeah. behind in the baggage area, yeah. of course, and he has to have that fight. Yeah. But then he's like, cool, let's get this guy's fucking prints, yeah. man, and like doing that, and he's like yeah. showing up the cops. And and even then the whole time, yeah, he's like, hey, I'm going in this here. Are there any air... I'm going into the baggage claim. Are there any airport police around? Uh, I don't know why. Go get him. He's yeah. like being much more responsible. It just shows him being a good cop, which is excellent. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. But you know, um, doing the police work that no one else can do. I, I, I found, I found that actually, overall, the pacing of him coming up against all these little bits, you know, that 
that sort of escalated, I think, pretty reasonably until that final half an hour. Oh, we'll get to that. <laughs> it's like, let's, let's, yeah. let's, I got, I got notes for that first half there. We'll get to that half hour. We'll get have, to that. With all that said, I want to tease the one thing. Uh, like suspension of disbelief is very easy to like have here. Like you can forgive. Oh, of course, all these situations are happening around him. You, it, that's fine. I find that very easy to forgive here in this movie. But I do yep. want to get to one point later. But I yep. want to talk about, again, I think the thing where I find this movie still less satisfying than the first one is I want to talk yep. about John McClane as a character. Yeah, fair enough. That first one, the first movie is this great subtextual evolution about he goes on a whole character arc without ever just talking to anybody about the arc, except for a yep. little bit of him in the bathroom. He starts as this really stubborn New York cop who, yes, he may love his wife. He doesn't. It, 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 he's one of those guys where it, it, it's too much effort. Not too much, but he just he doesn't believe that the effort is worth the outcome. He thinks that he can still just have like a half-assed marriage and still be a New York cop because that's all he knows. The stubbornness. Mm. Mm. He is then thrown into the most impossible situation of being trapped with all these extremely intelligent guys where he has to stop being so stubborn and adapt to everything they're throwing at him. He has to adapt to losing his shoes. He has to adapt to, you know, talking to these other guys to not just being able to blow through the whole situation. And that all like silently takes place throughout the film. Mm. Die Hard 2 starts with a lot of good setup for a second movement of character. He's in LA now. He's back with his wife and he's really trying hard to have a good relationship with his wife and family. He talks about he may loathe his in-laws, but he loves but his wife still and he loves his kids. Yeah. And all he wants to do is just spend time. He realizes through the course of that first movie that, you know, there's an intense worth to my family that can just go, you know? So, you know, he, he plays the whole thing really smart and he learns to play by the rules more, you know, when he's dealing with all the, the situations of the terrorists first appearing in the airport, you know, he's talking to the right policeman. He's trying to get it sorted. He goes up and has big three hour. There's like a half hour of planning and discussion in between the first major action beat in the airport carriage and the second at the sky tower. He's just being mm. a good cop and following the rules that whole time. Hmm. And then it stops. We just sort of, and then I got really upset because the character progression or any exploration just stops and he just keeps being really good at his job and just has to be better than these guys. And at first I thought maybe it's not necessary. Maybe it's just, we've done all that setup to go to a different place, but I realized something that I'll talk about at the third act where I was like, all right, maybe we can have a whole character arc here but we just didn't. But with that yeah, said, I think that's fair enough because once, once he's sort of driving the show, it's like, okay, cool. Now it's an action film and now it gets crazy. But then, yeah, the smart thing is that they lean back. They realize that they can, they can have a much more intricate case here because in Die Hard one, we know that we know what the terrorists want from the beginning. They want to rob the vault. There's no sort of mystery yeah. to that. It's just watching John, systematically figure out how to beat them as the stakes escalate here they realize we don't know everything that's happening we just know that there's big interest around this cartel leader 
flying into the airport and that John mm. Pfeiffer's in the air. So they realize we can just sort of play with that plot and that can carry the film, which is so much smarter than most people give this movie credit for. Yeah, because the thing is that I, when you suggested let's watch this, part of me was like, okay, cool. But, you know, it it, it does sort of, at, I just remembered it as being a great action yeah. film. We, you thought we were getting zero reading, and you thought we were getting the you thought we were getting the Equalizer two. I thought we were getting the Equalizer two, albeit you know, yeah. you know, quality <laughs> original nineties content, you know, yeah. version of the Equalizer. Oh god, they the original really do. Equalizer. I, oh, you've just reminded <laughs> me. They really do hammer the nineties early on in the movie, like Die Hard, yeah, where he's like clearly giving the facts. Technique. He's like. Die Hard (laughs) 1, as clearly set in the 80s as it is, never mentions, man, fucking the 80s, am I right? There's like all these different (laughs) references to, oh my gosh, John, isn't the 90s amazing? As far as I'm concerned, we peaked a frozen pizza. It's like, what the fuck? Just send your facts, bro. Send your facts. Plain phones. Oh, it's great. Anyway, you were saying... Um, I was saying like that's and that's kind of what I was expecting going in. And now that you're throwing all this stuff at me, I'm like, yeah, you know what? Actually, like, not enough credit for just being able to do that well and with I, all the moving parts that they decided yeah, to throw in this. And film. I put this all down to the writing and the source material. Every diehard movie up until I think the fourth, no, even the fourth one, up until the fifth one have come into, except for obviously the first one, have come into the world the same way. Somebody reads a book, they adapt it into an action film. 20th Century Fox goes, it's kind of like a diehard ripoff. Wait a minute, let's just readapt it to be a diehard movie. Yeah. That's exactly how it works. This movie was based on a book called 58 Minutes, which was about the fact that the terrorists were holding the landing strips hostage and they had 58 minutes until they ran out of fuel, right? I didn't know this. And then Stephen S. Souza took it, worked all his Die Hard magic into it, and banda bing, we have Die Hard 2. They did yeah. it for the third and the fourth, at least premise-wise, because in the third one, the general book was about, oh, what if this guy was just making random telephone calls and threatening random terrorist events? A screenwriter went, wait, why don't we just make it Hans Gruber's brother? Bada bing, it's a diehard movie. The fourth one, it's all about cyber terrorism. Why don't we make them chase around John McClane? Bada bing, it's yep. diehard 4.0. I've not seen Die Hard 5. I will never watch Die Hard 5. You would have to kidnap me, strap me to a clockwork orange machine for me to watch Die Hard 5. Why? Because it's just, the brand is so diluted at this point. And it's and it's definitely, I, I'm, I'm, I'm a staunch defender of Die Hard 4. Because I feel like it's, they play with the Bruce Willis age thing enough. I know from people who have seen 5 that they do not do that in a very eloquent way in 5. And it is just action schlockfest. Which I... Don't need to see. I froth on these diehard scripts being so uber tight screenwriting wise, right? To know that there's a diehard movie that is not up to that standard or at least slightly below that standard, it hurts me a little inside, you know? Did you just read the reviews? 
I had friends who went to see it. I read every review I could. I was, because I gave a shit. Like, before it was coming out, I was like, holy shit, a new Die Hard. I, I can't wait. But it was like, because what, it was like 2013. So yeah. I was 16. I've got, I've got it, because I got a pack. I got this whole pack on iTunes. Yeah. So I got them I've got the, films, I've got the quadrilogy Blu-ray. I've got my four. Of course you've got the, the Blu-ray. I ain't. I ain't. It was one of the first Blu-rays I ever had too. It was we got that, that we got that thing in like 2012. I'm so, but yeah, I'm digressing a little, right? The point yeah, is that we do that. Die Hard Two. Uh, it's not our podcast if we don't. Die Hard Two is such a really tightly written script that all they had to do was just you know get a competent guy to make it. Do you know who Rennie Harlan is? That part from no, the director you do. of Die Hard Two. He's directed <laughs> such. I can't even say it. You know that he was editing this Die Hard 2 and the Andrew Dice Clay comedy vehicle movie at the same time because they were meant to come out like a month apart. Huh. He's so shit. He's he's your stock standard television action director. He just picks projects on, you know, he directed that one of the, do you remember when two Hercules movies came out in 2014? Two. two, yes, the Brett Ratner one with uh, The Rock, which was the first out of the two to come out, and then Brett Ratner made one with the guy who plays one of the vampire bro- family kids in Twilight. That was no, so, I have no memory so of this. Shit, it's called The Legend of Hercules. It's so shit. I, I know I've seen it once, but I cannot remember a single thing. I erased it from my brain. So the director's a hack. Cool. Yeah. Um, but he's, but I, th- I with a screenplay as tight with as this, this like, like, with a screenplay yeah. as tight as this, all he had to you do was make it, it look pretty. And he does it. Yeah. That's great. Props. It's crazy. Um, it's just such a tight screenplay that that's the strength of Die Hard 2 that a lot of people don't realize. Do you, do you think that there was sort of a choice because there's a point where this film separates more from the suspension of disbelief. There's only one point where my suspension of disbelief is welly and truly tested. And we got to do a bit of plot explanation if we're going to talk about it now. So at some point, the airport police bring in like this military company and they're all like, oh, we're commandos. We're the best of the best. And John McClane's like, it's the military. Yeah. John McClane's like, it's the, it's literally the army. Yeah. But specifically it's a, it's a, it's a wing of the infantry led by a guy who used to run with the villain. I forget his name, but he, he's got the, 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 the antagonist has got, would you say one of the, the, one of the more interesting villain introductory scenes of the, of, of film history? Oh my God. That's how yeah. I always turn my TV off when I'm finished <laughs> for the day. <laughs> I, I, I need to start doing naked Tai Chi, man. If it's, if it's, he makes it look so cool. The, whatever the Colonel a blonde he's street. the major i think and the colonel is the guy who comes in later yeah I, I i know that i know that the and i know that um i remember the name esperanza is the is the cartel guy but yeah he's got like a i keep wanting to call him colonel sanders even though that's not his name <laughs> <laughs> and he does not look anything colonel like sanders. colonel sanders but anyway 
anyway, so the, they invite the military and the the they being the airport police who are too busy trying to deal with the fact that there are a bunch of planes in the sky that are circling. And I want to make a sub note here before I go on. The climate, I think the stakes are so appropriately leveled in this movie. The sequence where the terrorists are like, you tried to dick us down, so we are going to intentionally crash one of these planes in front of you so you know what we're dealing with here. Hmm. I, I, like on paper, it, it seems like a, a normal, boring, oh, we're not messing around scene. There's something about how long it is and how detailed it is of watching them say to this plane, hey, you can make your descent. Here's the right yeah. angle. It's secretly even, 800 even feet. Even the looks that level. the guy, even the guy who is behind the computer setting mm. the ILS, yeah. where like, cause his looks when he looks at the major and he's like, yeah. like the look on his face is like, oh, oh, we're going to fucking do when this. When he looks at Colonel oh, Sanders, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. All of them are like that. that. They're like, man, we're tough, but do we really have to like kill all these? Are we going to kill like 130 people? Like Jesus Christ! Like, yeah, totally. And the shot where the shot where the 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 flight attendant is walking back through the row of aircraft, like, we're going to land safely. We're going to be fine. Goes to that puts her hand on the old lady. Oh my god, love. We're just like British Airways. I mean, no, we're just like British Rail. We get there on safely. Wink, wink. Yeah. And you're just like, oh, yeah. Jesus Christ, they're going to kill them. Jesus Christ. But it's more, <laughs> and that's the other thing, watching John, who has a select handful of, like, properly heroic moments in these films. Like, yeah. he's the hero, but there's not a lot of opportunities where he gets to, like, attempt to save people. When he runs... Because he's just one guy, and I think this film still really... Yeah. Uh, illustrates that like he only gets yeah. through this by the skin of his teeth yeah. every time like he's fighting against like these mega yeah. guys the major guy the colonel guy who are much better at close quarters combat than him yeah it's like it's, it's, he has to find ingenious ways to escape yeah and like you know like like the final fight where yeah. he's on the way yeah, yeah. oh like, we'll get that we'll get he, he has to get away yeah i know i'm just saying and watching like, him he's always he's, he's always yeah under someone else's thumb. And he's so relatable too. Like if you think about all the yeah. 80s action heroes and they're all roided out rage monsters. Bruce yep. Willis looks like everybody's dad. Yeah. Like he's just so normal that it 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 you you do see him struggling through all of the the fights and then to see him not be able to save this whole plane of people. That that yeah. that fucks with him. And I'm like, "Damn, that it hits me." And that's me. why I that's what I was waiting for this point to discuss because I think when you're talking about him not having as much of that character, I, yeah, I'm sure he doesn't have as much. No, but it's all subtext. Me, I think that yeah, it's all subtext. He has it, but it's not. Yeah. yeah, true. Okay, fair enough. But I think that that's like that's really crucial. Yeah. Because, oh, like, it is. That's that's the moment where you get to see the the straight up heroism. I love that moment. Yeah, but it makes and it makes the rest of the movie like you, it adds that extra note of we got to take these guys seriously. So they introduce after that they introduce the military, but also going back to his character, yeah. it's actually saying he can't win all the time, and no. I think that's a really important thing it to is. set up. Yeah. It's like he's dealing with something that is way outside of his scope. Yeah, um, and it's as a, a cop, yeah, one man as a whatever it is, yeah. like, and it's a real, um, it's a smart analogy. It's a, it's another smart version of all of the scenes in the first Die Hard where he's, you know has to run over the glass and has to pick the glass out of his feet. He has all these mm. 
moments that humanize him. Like every time he has to stop for a sig and just like bum around on the mic, it, they're these like these real human moments mm. that I think are, are done in very interestingly different ways in, in this movie. But mm. anyway, my, we, we've, again, it's not us if we don't get off the topic. I want to talk about the moment my suspension of disbelief was like, all right. So they bring the military in, they go through this mission, they check it out. They, they find out that they're holed up in a church. They launch this assault. um, They being McLean and in this section of the army. One of the greatest visual and I'm sure this is a note in the script and not a directing thing because Rennie Harlan is a hack. Did you notice during those, all those shootouts towards the, the end of the second act, the start of the third, when they were switching magazines and their guns with different colored tape? Yep. It's, it's made to be pretty obvious, but that's because I've seen the film before. I think, I think that it's a really I nice way of never. I didn't. I I must have been notice? paying attention. Like I I knew about the the twist, but I never knew that that was the giveaway. Oh, all of them right. are until so quick. It, all of them are so quick, and it wasn't until I noticed, like, because you know what the because you know the first time you notice, yeah, the giveaway is when. And I, I, I don't know, this this is revisionist in my own, you know, our own memory is crazy. But this is like I remember watching this for the first time. Mm. I think I remember when I watched this the first time mm. that as soon as I saw the the army guys in their white snow gear in the back of the truck yeah. going to the church and they loaded with the blue tape yeah. around the magazine, I'm like, oh, they're in on this. I, I just remember that that was a cue that I saw. I, yeah. Like I could be making this up no, now. I believe, no, I believe it because I – first time. Because that's the first time you see them and you're like, yeah. blue tape. Like, why are they showing me blue tape yeah. in this? No, that's exactly what this I... This is not just... That's exactly this is not a fucking yeah. C-grade action film. If this was, if that didn't matter, it would not be yeah. information that I'm being given. Like, if this was just Schwarzenegger, yeah. like, there wouldn't there's be no any tape, tape on the no magazine. There's no tape on a Schwarzenegger. Yeah, there's no tape no, on a it's Schwarzenegger. it's just a fucking mag. gun. Like, who cares yeah. what kind of gun it is? There's no... We don't care about the details. Well, like, I noticed... That's... Yeah. yeah, like, I noticed that this time and I'm like wait a minute, they've got like bright blue tape on the mag. Is that a giveaway to the, to the blanks? Cause I remember the blanks being a thing, even though people who haven't seen it are now wondering why we're talking about blanks. They had this shootout at the church and they get away. John realizes having picked up one of their enemy guns or one of the, the army guns, mm. I had a clear shot at him. What's wrong. He finds out that they're, mm. they're full of blanks and mm. that's a giveaway. Cause I realized that when I saw Colonel Sanders, whatever, the major, whatever. Yeah. Swapping them out from red, from a red, red to, to a blue. blue. And I went, oh, yeah. that's, oh, that's great. However, yeah. my suspension. Then he goes. Yeah. And this is the gone. same. I thought you were going to say this because it's the <laughs> same for me. Goddamn, when he goes to the office and there's this antagonistic um, guy in charge the guy, of the, the, the head the cop at the, the They get into this big shouting match, which is understandable because John McClane has been, uh, you know, fighting this guy the whole time. And in order and to, to prove, prove his, his argument, point, John McLean fires this gun full of blanks fire. in an in an office in the airport office, surrounded by twenty cops who have pulled their guns on him, who hesitate 
who hesitates this is while he empties this. an entire fucking clip into the fucking chief of the airport police. This is America. Which takes five seconds. They would have blown him to pieces. Absolutely. They would have stopped the movie <laughs> right there. This is, hey, if it was set in any other country... I'd think, oh, maybe they're rational. Oh, maybe they saw him not get shot. This is America. They would have shot John McClane to ribbons. So many times. Yeah. It's the dumbest thing I've ever seen. It's the dumbest thing I've ever seen in in all of the movies. Yeah, it's dumb. But I actually think it's kind of great because it's a wonderful Mm. moment of, see, I was right the whole time and you guys are fucked. Yeah. That's that's why I like, that's why it's still ultimately a plus for the movie because it is, it does serve that plot. But But the the whole time it does ratchet, the movie ratchets up into a, into a different tone at that point. They could have stayed with a more, and I know we're talking about a, a diehard film here, but they could have stayed with a slightly more rational, uh, get you know mm. a level of suspension of disbelief here, but you know no, they had to do that. Mm. And you know what? Fuck them! Like happy days. I thought yeah. it was fantastic. It's fun. It's- we're sitting there going, "This is fun yeah. and this is hilarious." It's true, and, and, and that's why we love Die Hard film. Like we don't go to Die Hard. Fi- we don't go to Die Hard for you know Black Hawk Down. I've not seen Black Hawk Down. So. <laughs> oh, it's just it. I think it's a relatively realistic depiction of like sort of this not this it's not exactly the same but you know mm. in terms of those scenarios like there's nothing uh in, in that sense a lot of war films like that that do it in that that way they don't have there's no quarter given there's no um there's none of those um moments that are mm. heightened to the point of comedy yeah well there are there are there are very small they're very relatable ones like Specifically in this movie, they give Bruce Willis a lot more quips. Oh, I'm saying in other films. In this, oh, I'm saying yeah. this, and this film does do that. Yeah, of course it does do that. Yeah. Which is great, you know. It's that it's that little touch of personality, which I think you're right. Yeah, and I know that's why we come. To, this is why we come to Die Hard. Yeah. So let's talk about let's talk about the ending, and then let's talk about <laughs> the whole thing as a Christmas movie. Yeah. I want so, to talk about now. Just you set up the you actual. Talk, no, you you set up the actual events of the of the third act, and then I want to. The waveform on this podcast is perpetually in your favor, my friend. I, I always look at the logic files, and I'm like, is this a podcast that we do, or is this a podcast where I ask a few questions and Dom tells me about the film? I'm too ramble. <laughs> I'm too rambling. I'm sorry. This is no, the- no. I just love it, and I'm going to probably leave this in too because this is great. But yeah, I, oh, I'm about so, to. Yeah, I'm about to get ranty. Don't worry. I've got one. So the setup setup is that the that we realize that the army and the terrorists are in cahoots and they all are going to escape on the plane. Um and so McLean gets the news chopper to come in. Um, which is I I liked that as well because it's like oh as a counterpoint to the the shock jock who wants to get his career like moving from inside the plane, like getting the info Uh, with the guys from the radio, from, you know, hacking into that whole subplot, that whole subplot of, um, of, of, of Holly and, um, because it gives her something to do, but it's, it's no, it's always good comic relief. It's always good comic relief for the, for the movie. And it sets up, and it sets up small pieces of the plot. Like when they listen to the, yeah, like the radio beacon, then how he finds out what's happening on the ground. 
Yeah, but it also the fact that it then causes pandemonium yeah. at the airport, yeah. which is how he has to get into the news chopper anyway. Yeah. Otherwise, he'd be with the cops. Yeah. And that probably saves a whole bunch of people's lives because those the cops would have driven to the, the hangar and a lot of cops would have died. Yeah. So, you know, well done in a way. Yeah. But, you know, that's I'm not sure. I'm sure that's not uh, they didn't think about that as the device. But I'm I just think, saying. No, I think they did. I think it I sets think up they, the fact that there was pandemonium I think they the kind of did. I think they kind of did. I think at least they, the well, they did. they needed they needed McLean to yeah. you know, ah uh, McLean, you've done it again. Speaking there we go. of, you, they needed McLean to go by himself, but he gets dropped under the under the under the seven four seven, and he fights both the dudes now on the wing, yeah. one after the other, yeah. and, and like, throws the first major in, and he can't the- just get shot because because the the pilot, the general who is also a pilot, yeah. is like. Don't shoot the. Yeah, you no. can't shoot the wing. Yeah, no. It's smart. It's, gr- <laughs> no it's, it's It's good. It's fun. Esperanza, yeah. yeah, being the pilot is 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 great. I want. Yeah, he syndromes the the army guy who he betrayed. Puts him right through the engine. Yeah, hundred percent. So great. I've got one little side note. When he fights Colonel Colonel Santos on the yeah. plane wing, <laughs> does he bite off his finger? Uh, he bites, he certainly bites his hand. I swear I see him spit. I, I had to like go back and watch it like three times. I was frame like, by frame. He, does he spit out a hand or something? Something out. And I'm not quite sure if it was just spit in general or if it was a limb. Yeah. It's not a limb, but yeah, it, you're it right. It makes there John McClane like pretty some, metal if he does. Some sort of chunk of something was, was, was spat yeah. out. But that's a side um, note. I, I, I want to talk about. Again, John McClane is a character I hold with so much revere. And I want to ask you a question. Do you remember the very yeah. first scene of Die Hard? The first one. Is it in is it in the Christmas party in the foyer nope. somewhere? No. It is on the plane coming into LA. The first thing we see, apart from the plane physically touching down, is John's hand very strongly clutching the seat with his wedding ring on that's a side note hmm. and the guy next to him this like normal businessman guy goes well you're not a fan of flying he's like no i hate flying hence why he gives him the story about how to get over it by taking your shoes off you know i i, I could talk about that scene but one of the things i always found that the, the scene that is not john mcclain hates flying <laughs> John McClane yeah. hates flying, a fact that we've covered. Yeah. It just, it stung me every time to think he's, the whole movie has to do with planes. And not once does it come up that he hates flying. That it's like a real <laughs> struggle for him. Yes, he does. It's He says it in the news chopper. The what first he time s- he is in an actual aircraft. But they don't bring it up again when he, I, I know, because I was waiting for the line, but he says instead of like, um, what did she say to him? You, something about, uh, what do you hate? Uh, something about, I forget, but it ends with the line, yeah, well, I. She says, I thought you hated flying. And he says, yeah. Yeah, I don't like, but he says, I, but also, I also don't like to lose. I also don't like to lose, yeah. I just, I, I was like, man, I that could have been great. such a theme of the whole movie. What? But because he, he's at an airport. Just because he, because all this, all this plane talk, man. Yeah, but he's not on the plane. He jumps onto a <laughs> wing. Yeah, but, 
but he's fighting the dudes. I get that. I but I I think that there's enough made of that. Like I don't know. I don't think that's muddying the water. You're it's right. Too much. Either way, too much. the character it's of John like, McClane still sticks to his main point, and one of the main things I love seeing that he doesn't just outmuscle everybody. Yeah, he knows his limits. You know, Batman he, has no limits, he but knows, John McClane knows his limits. John McClane has limits. We may not yep. see them yet, but he knows, I better fucking figure out a better way to deal with this. Let's pop that goddamn fuel cap open and light Hell that son yeah. of a gun up. And it's a great... Inadvertently thing. creating a landing strip light for everyone else. Yeah. Oh. Just... So great. It's a good, it's so a good payoff of the whole thing. Um, I loved it because it's it sort of hammers home that thing of like he's always he's always in trouble. He's always the lesser guy, and he has to outthink his way. He has to MacGyver his way out of it, yep. you know. And, um, he, and he, does he has to. Uh, one might even say he has to Kevin McAllister his way out of it. Indeed, even though Which both of these us, movies, even though both of these movies came out before Home Alone one. Yeah. So technically, hmm. Well, anyway. So here's the discussion. <laughs> Hmm. Um. Look, you know what? Maybe it is a Christmas movie. Well, this is the thing about this one, right? The thing about because your argument is, I know it's not just a Christmas movie. Because all the people that love to comment, ha ha, die hard Christmas movie on I Facebook think- and the internet and things, their point is it's set at Christmas yeah. and. They want it to be a Christmas movie. Yeah. They want to call it a Christmas movie because, yeah. because, and this is my this yeah. is my genuine feelings. They think it's probably not such a gr- yeah, good no. they Christmas think movie. The, the, they want it to be a Christmas movie yeah. because it's not because they want to be funny. Yeah. They, they 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 think it's a Christmas movie just because they go, oh, it's about terrorists. Ha 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 ha! Merry Christmas. I hate yeah, uh, and we get to watch this instead of something else. Yeah, that's I right. Hate yeah. those um, I voted for Trump. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> Fucking. But like the thing about, yeah, Die Hard One is let's 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 close the let's close the books on this is a Christmas movie. Die Hard Two, I'm less certain on, but I think I can't I can't say it's not. I just don't think it's I don't as, mind that it's not. I think it's just, as long as it can be a Christmas in February movie. Like let's talk about like specifically the ending. It ends beat for beat the same way as Die Hard One. John and Holly yeah. are reunited. Oh, well, no, not B for Pete. There's no Esperanza or anybody doesn't come out of the burning wreckage of the plane to try and shoot him, and then they didn't get the fat airport police cop to shoot him dead. <laughs> that doesn't happen in this one. No, but because then once you die in an entire fireball of a but then there, but there's no coming yeah, out of that. But then still Holly and John are whisked off by a tertiary character with a, with a vehicle. And then they play Let It Snow, Let It Snow, Let It Snow. Mm. But the as the song was Christmas playing, reference. as the song was playing, and I was singing along, I was just, I was like, yeah, no, it's still, still feels like Christmas. Um, the only other real Christmas reference is, um, oh yeah, get Santa to bring you a new car. <laughs> yeah, by yeah, which is funny by a. Uh, you know, in, in a pretty thick yeah. New York accent yeah. by a fucking Washington cop. Yeah. Like, what's that? And by and the other, yeah, no, that's true. They're in D.C. Like, if he wants to. And they deal with the most Long Island cops of all time. Yeah, <laughs> hey, bro. yeah, because that's what, 
Yeah, that's what uh, what I like took you go I got quite dollar judge. Hey, you fucking bozo! <laughs> yeah, yeah. The most Long Island cops in in DC. You're right. Yeah, yeah. but um, get Santa to bring you a new car. But I think the the <laughs> thing about Die Hard Two, I think it the Christmas thing is a much more stronger factor plot wise than it is an interpersonal thing for Die Hard One because. Christmas sets up the whole pandemonium in the in the airport. It's an airport. Like they yeah. keep making that. Like are you like in the, the sky? The whole reason, yeah. The whole reason the airport police are so uninterested Reluctant. in whatever may be going yeah. on is like, are you kidding me? It's Christmas week. Like from yeah. today, Christmas Eve to New Year's, we're gonna be so fucking busy. It's it's not funny. We don't want to close shit down. We can't risk. Yeah, like this is up. literally yeah. the worst time it could have possibly happened. And you know what, like, which works. It works we're talking a lot about, it does. We're talking about suspension of disbelief here, but here's the thing, like, um, is there in the script a reason that the cops are fucking idiots? Yeah. He literally says, it. Yeah. he sa- literally says, I don't want any of this bullshit yeah. because I don't want to have to, you know, get stop stuff happening yeah. and get people out because it's just yeah. not going to happen and I'll get yeah. fired. And which I think, and yeah, and which I think is it's an understandable position. Yeah. And I think that's kind of why I think, I think the terror, and this is, there's no hint to it in the movie. This is just me defending Die Hard 2. If I was a terrorist and I wanted to like pick a point where the airport was probably at its, you know, weakest, probably a pretty good time to do it. But then why are they bringing the – I know that we're totally in territory of overthinking this yeah. plot right now, but, like, if that's so, okay, if, let's ex- yeah. let's accept that. Fair game to the let's terrorists. Well done. You, 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 you chose a really good time to, to, to get in. Mm. Why was the general being yeah. brought into the United States on Christmas Eve? That's the select – that's the part where we've got to go suspension – I'm going to suspend my disbelief for a bit. <laughs> maybe he wanted, maybe they wanted him to have a white Christmas. I don't know. Maybe they just got, maybe they just got him. I don't know. I mean, and I know that this is yeah. absolute bullshit and no one cares about this. Yeah. And no, no one in the writer's room would have been thinking about this. Yeah. Cause we just want to blow shit but up, man. Christmas, but yeah, but the Christmas I think has an appropriate setting that is different enough that is just as functional in, in relation to this movie as it is Die Hard 1. It's just not as a thematically pleasant. It's a plot-centric thing. But I wanted to make a side uh, note about this. How how familiar are you with the films of Shane Black? Zero. So this is like Lethal Weapon. Oh, yeah, Kiss, okay. Kiss, Bang, yeah. Bang, Iron Man 3, The Nice Guys. Oh, did he direct Iron Man 3? He did. Okay. Well, then he I have seen that. He sets almost all of his films at Christmas. Huh. So, like, Lethal Weapon 1, set at Christmas. Kiss Kiss Bang Bang, set at Christmas. Iron Man 3, set at Christmas. Um, fucking, whatchamacallit, The Nice Guys is set a little bit before Christmas, but the ending takes place at Christmas. And he does this because Christmas, he, he, he likes... Christmas is a framing device, right? It puts everybody in a like we all we all know what Christmas is like. It's busy, it's frantic, but there's there's a lot of time for thinking about the year. He hmm. you know, he says it, lonely people are lonelier at Christmas. You know, the streets always look a certain way. Everybody's in the same general mindset. 
And that's why he mm. thinks it's a yeah, really important tool for storytelling. And so I think that if you make the active decision to set your movie at Christmas for the sole purpose of having Christmas inform character motivation. Not that I can think of many Christmas movies that like aren't that don't have like Christmas infect the plot in a major way. That's not a thing I'm saying this whole argument about it yeah. is die hard or die a good Christmas movie or not. I think if it's set at Christmas, if the objective choice is to set it at Christmas, it is a Christmas movie by default because Christmas yeah. is influencing decisions made by characters in the film. I think that people's people's alternate take on that is people think Christmas movies are films about Christmas, yeah. not just set at Christmas. Yeah. So, and then by that... Well, okay. So by no, yeah, that, ruling, that is what they think. Home Alone is a, is a Christmas film because it's about yeah, it's about it's Christmas and the family's not together. Yeah. So by that way, it's about. But it's also that's, and that's what ha, I put, you know, and that's what I put to Die Hard. It's about coming. It's also Christmas. extensively part of that film is that Christmas is used as a device to separate the family from Kevin. Yeah. So you know, I think yeah. I think I think we've got to stop this being selective about what's a Christmas movie and what's not a Christmas movie. Because I can't think of a, any movie I don't think should be considered a Christmas movie. Do you? Not really. I don't. I, I think Die Hard is the, like the, the only other part one is that's in like the popular zeitgeist. Yeah, yeah. No one else is arguing for. Uh, and I can't even exactly. There's no like. There's no. I can't even it's think. It's just Die Hard, and even then, it's just unfair because it's a. Like people don't like. I guess like people don't. It's the only thing that is somewhat considered a Christmas yeah. movie that the whole family can't watch together yeah. if you've got kids. And I think if people and I think if people started like campaigning, oh, Iron Man three is the, the one of the best Christmas movies. If that like motion got popular, then there would be people. That's a bit go, silly. It's not a Christmas movie, but if you look at Iron Man three, it is about Tony Stark sort of taking rebuilding, on coming all of together. The, yeah, taking stock on his life. What's yep. worth to him? Is it the suits or is it Pepper Potts? Is it this kid I've just yep. met who's helping me do all these things? You know, it's there's there's plenty of Christmassy stuff in there, apart from just mm. being, you know, a Marvel movie. There's certainly um, a lot of bright lights in Iron Man 3. Exactly. And there's, yeah, <laughs> it's set in California. when We don't see California Christmas that often, <laughs> except in Die Hard. <laughs> <laughs> I see what they've done there. <laughs> but yeah. You, you that was really subtle. Sorry, I have to flex, I have to explain that. Yeah. Um all the fucking the people on the on extremists blowing up. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> That's what I meant by like a lot of bright lights yeah. in Iron Man 3. I know, <laughs> Thanks, I, I, Dad. <laughs> you fuckhead. Oh, you got it. I did I, I I got it now that you pointed it out. It wasn't the first uh, thing I was thinking of. I was thinking about all the streets exploding. Cause that's yeah, like, that's, fair that's like the real Christmas moment of the whole movie when, when he's just like, all right, it's time to not only give Pepper the, the, the sub, the, the, the non-literal gift of I'm, I'm giving up, even though that decision is reduced but, in other yeah. Marvel movies, but he then also blows up all the suits and he also gives all the gifts to Thingo. And if you look at it, like Guy Pierce is technically giving all those, those um, wounded people, the gift of limbs 
just at the expense mm-hmm. of evil fire powers. Yeah, that's right. Evil fire death. Anyway, we digress. Die Hard 2, Die Harder. Is it a Christmas let's just, movie? Let's just, let's just put our mission statement out now. If it's, if it, uh, let's not discriminate against any movie. If it's set at Christmas, if it's about, you know, ca- if characters are influenced by Christmas, it's a Christmas movie. Let's just put it out there. There is no such thing Done. as a non-Christmas movie. In Fair a way. <laughs> to bed. Put to bed. Watch whatever the fuck you want at Christmas. Watch yeah, that's true. Um, we're going to wrap it up because it's been yeah. over an hour. Um, yeah. We are back. Mm. Uh, we are going to do something a bit different this year because as we've discussed, the fresh film people, well, they also are a bit dodgy too. We can't regularly find bargains We're, we're out of the bargain BW, bin. We're free. JB Hi-Fi. We're, 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 we're free. We are free of the bargain bin. We're agents of our own accord. Every every but month at the least. are we free of the bargain bin? Because I thought we were, I thought we were free of the physical bargain bin, but we're still we're going hunting. Oh for yeah, some like of those well, deals. no, the spirit of the bargain bin is is alive and well. Yeah, lives on. As yeah, it were. you're not going to see us re- recording about oh this new release, oh this no no no, bus. no 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 no. You can catch us talking about. <laughs> I guarantee you, in six months' time, you can catch us talking about Demolition Man. <laughs> Fuck but yeah. until then, you know, we keep the spirit alive. God damn it! And um, we just felt, we just felt, um, our our model was somewhat held held to the fire by yeah. by the the powers that be, by big grocer, by big gro- <laughs> by big bargain. <laughs> and but but you know, let's preface: we're still busy. This isn't turning into a weekly podcast all of a sudden. But just, but, um, but just know that we're we're free agents now, free agents. But we will be bringing you content more regularly than six months at a time. Yeah, it's still event podcasting, but just not not a six month event. You know. Where can you find us on Twitter? You Doc? can find us at Down Down Podcast. I think it's Down Down Podcast. Down Down yeah. Podcast. <laughs> we plugged it enough in uh, in the old episodes. Yeah, yeah, we'll put it in. We'll put yeah. it in the show notes and the you socials. Can ca- what are we? Plug y- and on Facebook, down, down, critics are down. Podcast. You can just look it up. You'll see our. You'll see our mugs. Yeah. We should give a special 100%. shout out to. In between our last episode, we finally awarded the Stand by Me Blu-ray <laughs> to, <laughs> to, to Harry Keating. <laughs> Newcastle's very Harry. Um, I, I know, and we got. I've got more gift Blu-rays in the tuck. So we're going to come up with another competition <laughs> at some point this year. I've got a few old DVDs that I should start giving away. Yeah, um, I feel like we should just. But we'll figure something out. We'll, we'll rustle something up on the socials that'll be a bit fun. Um, get some buzz going. Yeah. Should no. we Should we announce what we are going to do next or are we still going to discuss that? I think we give them a little tease about our on um, our upcoming mission. Now, we have a mission, should you choose to accept it. And no, it's not Mission Impossible. No, it's Impossible. not Mission Impossible. <laughs> but it, it's it's kind of like Mission Impossible. You thought I got rambly about Die Hard. Wait till you hear me talk about my favorite movie franchise of all time. Of all time. Not an understatement. Mm. If I got to take one box set to the island, 
<laughs> oh, and that's a big box set. It's a big, but bo- it's it may be the longest running box set of all time. I think it's the longest running. Still, box set. Marvel. And I Marvel was actually hasn't telling beat us. Marvel hasn't beat us yet. They got They got to make two more films to beat us. Marvel, but in terms of years running, oh, absolutely. That's a absolutely fifty-six years. No longer. It's uh, fifty-eight. It's fifty. It's just, it's nearly it's in, it's sixty in years, years in twenty twenty two. This franchise yeah. will be. I did 60 the math last old. night. Yeah, nineteen sixty two, baby. We're going down that hole. Uh, luckily, Stan have them, which is great. Please don't delete them on us. Don't do a calls on us. I will. Stan, I will like. Through. I I have two different box sets. I will just send you. Just ship me the second one. Thank I you. will ship you my old DVD <laughs> box set. I may or may not have four copies of a film in this franchise. Wow. <laughs> two on DVD. Two on wow. Blu-ray. That's insane. Yeah, I'd okay, love to see it, be, ladies and gentlemen. Definitely going to be giving some of this shit away in that sa- in that case. Oh yeah. Anyway, um, I'm ready, baby, and I'm keen because it means we don't have to choose. We just have to go down to 1962 and start that track. Yes. Off uh, we go. I'm going to watch it this week. Until then, uh, my name's Morgan Roberts, and my name's Fitzgerald, Dominic Fitzgerald. Dun dun. <laughs> Until next time, bye-bye. <laughs>